The Blitz Period is a production of BNM Media and brought to you by Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter.
uh, go with me. But I had a nine-month tra- uh, contract in jail, and I told him I didn't give a damn how long it was because we were going to be successful. We were going to be good. We had great players. I had Selman Brothers, Rod Schultz. I had Joe Washington. I had I had great players at all positions. And, uh, and uh, so they gave me the job, and, uh, and of course, that first year we went undefeated. And... Uh, and, uh, and we, I thought we would have a chance. Probably we won the national championship. We, we had not tied Southern Cal out of Southern Cal. We dominated the game, 200 yards or more offense. We missed the field goal from the 11-yard line. We would have won the game. Uh, we just uh, didn't have things go our way. But we won the rest of them, and uh, we were on probation so we didn't get to a bowl game and play for a national championship. Uh, the next year, uh, uh, my second year, we won our defeated. We were 11-0. We were a dominant football team. We were the best in the country by far. We scored 473 points on offense, which is 37 or 8 points a game, 11 games. And we only had uh, 90 scored against us. So we were a dominant football team. And uh, I had the Feldman brothers. Uh, I had three. It's, uh, I had eight of eight the defensive starters. My defensive starters started in the NFL. That's how the we were. That's back when there were only 26 teams in the NFL, and uh, I had eight of those guys start in the NFL and have three careers. Uh, so that was a, uh, a great experience having those guys, uh, the Selman brothers here at one time, three brothers that, that played together side by side, that dominated college football. They won 54 games and only lost three and tied one when Selman played in Oklahoma. 54 wins, only three losses, and one tie when they played. And uh, the losses, we were better than the team we lost to. We made, we made enough mistakes in the ball game to help them win. We knew that if anybody beat us, we were going to have to help them, and, uh, which we did and made mistakes. And a lot of them would be in the game and win. But uh, uh, we had a dominant team again the next year, the, uh, my third year. We only lost one game, but yet we went and played uh, Michigan in the Orange Bowl for the national championship and uh, and beat them. And so we were honored uh, to be national champions in 74 and 75. So uh, back-to-back national championships and uh, had a record of uh, 32-1-1 at that time as a head coach. My first three years, we were 32-1-1. So I got a new contract. <laughs> I get a new contract, and and, and uh, I don't make it twenty four thousand dollars a year, and that's what's going to shock you because they, these damn coaches today make eight, nine, ten million dollars a year to see power programs around the country. And in that era, we got uh, made uh, that type of salary, which is what the other coaches made. And uh, I had to make my job to make a job really worth it uh, monetarily, was to do my own. TV shows, uh, I get the talent feed for them. I did a four or five TV shows. I did radio shows and enough to make uh, the job uh, a, a good job. And uh, after a few years, I made it a million-dollar job, but uh, I had to do it myself by having the TV rights in my contract where I could take it and put it, put, put it all over the Southwest Conference and around the country for people, the players, to see our, uh, our team and uh, hear me talk and, and, uh, about our team and see me call it the game. But uh, that was uh, my start. It was very good. And Oklahoma during the, the 70s, we were the 
we were the women's team in college football. In the seventies, we dominated. We dominated in the eighties too, uh, but the early part of the eighties, we had a couple of years that we didn't do well, but uh, not as well as we should have. But then uh, we went back to winning championships in a row, uh, won four Big Eight conference championships and won national championships in that during that period of time. So we were a dominant team again, and. Uh, and did that through the 80s, and I retired at the end of the 80s. And uh, a few years later, Jerry Jones hired me as a Dallas Cowboys. And uh, played for two Super Bowls, won one. Uh, came up in one game of winning two Super Bowls. So uh, had a good run there, too. And uh, so uh, making my home right here in Norman, Oklahoma. As I said, I've been here 56 years and uh, had family and grandkids here. All my great kids were born here. My grandkids were born here. And and uh, uh, I have a great grandbaby now. My oldest grandchild, uh, Skyler, gave birth last week to a, a baby boy, Zayden. It, uh, it makes me a great grandfather. So I'm proud of that. So anyway, that's how it got started. And uh, and I had a great run as a coach. I was the winningest coach in, in uh, Oklahoma history at the time. And uh, uh, we had won three national championships, and then I added a Super Bowl to it, which only three people have ever done that. Three men have only won national championships and, and uh, Super Bowls. So uh, I had a good career, and it's the why. The reason I had it is because I had good coaches and had good players. And uh, when you got that combination, you got a chance to win. Then many won't win, but it gives you a great chance. And I, I did it because of uh, the people I had surrounding me, and they, they were talented. They were good at what they did. And uh, your daddy happened to be one of them. I recruited your dad because uh, your dad was out of Aurora, Illinois. He was a top running back in Illinois. And uh, uh, he came and I, he started the freshman for me, I believe. And uh, I think back on it, I'm pretty sure he did. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, that's how I got started uh, and, and how we did. And uh, I think it's pretty good. I'm proud of what we accomplished. <laughs> yes, sir. That's awesome. So I, I know uh, of all the, the incredible games that you've coached in. Uh, now, of course, I'm young, so I wasn't around during that time, but I've seen uh, old videos and stuff like that. Right. And I might be able to guess the answer on this, but I want to know, is there a game that you look back on? And yeah, I've got one that jumps out at me all the time. I don't think about the wins. I think about the losses. Yeah. We won four national championships in Australia, and uh, we were playing at Nebraska-Lincoln, in 1978, had the best team in the country. Billy Sims won the Heisman. Greg Robertson, offensive lineman, was out on the award winner, out on the award winner, and Lombardi winner. Uh, I had uh, great players on defense. I had a great offensive team. My first-round backfield was all first-round picks. My backfield was all first-round picks. Billy Sims was the first player picked in the draft. David Overstreet was the tenth player picked in the draft. Uh, Kenny King, my fullback, was the fifth pick in the draft, and uh, so we, we were dominant, and, and J.C. Uh, uh, Thomas Locke was my quarterback, he was a great option quarterback, and uh, so we were really a dominant team, we were ranked number one in the country, undefeated when we went to Lincoln, 
and we went up there and fumbled nine times and lost six of them, and uh, only got beat fourteen to seven. Hell, if they'd done that, we'd we'd have half a hundred of them. But, uh, but what we did is screw it up, gave them a chance to win, and they did win it at seventeen to fourteen, three points. And yet we played as poorly as we did, giving up six turnovers in a ball game when you really only get the ball eleven or twelve times in a game offensively, and uh, and that was uh, uh, really hurt me and stood out to me and it killed me. But, uh, we, we we're the best team in the country. We're going to beat anybody we play in the Orange Bowl for the national championship, and we got to play. Alabama, I mean, we got to play uh, Nebraska again and the Orange Bowl. They, 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 the Orange Bowl's job is to get the highest-ranked team in the country to come play there for to create a national championship game because the Big 8 Conference winner was usually Oklahoma or Nebraska, and we were always ranked one or two in the country at that time. And uh, so uh, we got a chance to go play them again. And we didn't fumble but once, and we didn't lose that one. We had them 31-10 in the fourth quarter. So it makes a difference if you don't beat yourself. And uh, but we uh, should have won at Lincoln, but we didn't, and uh, and that cost us another national championship in about three, four years. Where we had three national championships. But anyway, that's behind me, and uh, that's history, and we move on. So, but we were a great, great football team. Seventy-eight. And as you mentioned, the results of those great teams were obviously the players. And I look back on some of your recruiting classes, and most notably, I look at that 84 class. And now, and I was going to mention this earlier, but there was a little bit of a skid from 81 to 84. Uh, no 10 seasons in between that. You go on one championship in 85. But that 84 recruiting class obviously was a big part of that now. With that class in particular, I mean, you're talking about Keith Jackson, uh, Ricky Dixon, Brian Bosworth, right? Lydell Carr, Troy Aikman, even though he didn't stay. Yeah, right. Uh, it was a great class. I we had been winning, of course, in '84. I had redshirted a group of great linebackers in '83. I told them that uh, they could have started, but Brian Bosworth, the boss, could have started for me as a freshman. But I talked him into red shirting, and as long as I did, and Dante Jones who was from Dallas, Texas. Dante Jones was the first round draft pick of the Chicago Bears. I talked him into red shirting. I red shirted two bully linebackers that were outstanding, and uh, so I had a great group of linebackers. And the reason I was able to red shirt them is because I had two first round picks. Uh, on the team playing at this at time, Jackie Ship was two player picking draft. He's a six four, two hundred forty pound linebacker and drafted to Miami. And Thomas Minston, six three, two thirty five and forty one four five, was drafted by San Diego Chargers. So I was all set linebacker. But in seventy four now, I'm eighty four now. All those guys I said that redshirted all of a sudden became freshman starters, and they were a dominant defense, along with Keith Jackson on the offense. We recruited him out of Little Rock, Arkansas, and Lydell Carr out of Edith as the fullback. Both those started for me. As, both those players started for me as true freshmen. Keith Jackson at tight end, and he was a two-time All-American. And Lydell Carr 
was a great fullback for him. He tore his knee up his junior year and um, really hurt himself his chances to get the higher draft choice. But both those were excellent players. They started as freshmen, and uh, we, we, won, uh, we uh, uh, won the championship, Big 8 Conference championship, lost in the Orange Bowl that year to Washington. But the next year, we uh, lost only one game. That was Miami when Troy Aikman broke his uh, ankle. And uh, Troy was obviously transferred to UCLA and became the number one pick in the draft. And I knew he'd be a great player. And I didn't know he'd be the number one pick, but I knew he'd be drafted in the first round. So uh, Janelle Hall enters the scene as a great option quarterback as a true freshman in 85. And we win the rest of them and uh, beat uh, undefeated Penn State in the Orange Bowl for the national championship in 1985. So uh, that gave us gave us our third national championship, Lance Coaching, and uh, we were a dominant team then on out. We were for the next two years. We we only lost two games the next two years. So we had a great run uh, in the '80s too, but uh, it, it wasn't like the, the the dominance we had in the '70s when it just, we didn't hardly get beat. And uh, but it was. Uh, and that made my career. The only slump was that uh, Marcus Dupree. When I brought Marcus Dupree in, who was the best back in the country and might be the best player ever played for me, uh, was a true freshman. And uh, he came in, and we changed offenses, and we got to doing things we shouldn't have been doing. But Marcus was a great back, and he left me because of he was uh, recruited by his agent out of high school, and uh, he had an agent and his uncle. Uh, Curly talked him into leaving the pro ball. He was a 19 year old running back, six foot three, 230 pounds, 9'4, sign 5 speed, and 100. And, and he uh, was signed uh, uh, by pro team. He's only 19 years old. He's the youngest pro player ever. When it was in pro contract. So, uh, he was a great player. I regret that we never, I never had a chance to coach him four years, but he would have been a first player pick and probably won the Heisman too. But we won without him. We did. We dominated without him. And uh, But uh, he would have made us better too, though. And so one of the things that really stands out to me uh, about your career, and I know most people remember you for your great uh, recruiting prowess and things like that. And um, you were known for being one of the first coaches to really uh, give black athletes a platform. You talked about the quarterbacks you had, uh, whether it was Jamel Holloway, J.C. Watts, Thomas Watt. You can go down the list. But um, you, Coach Fairbanks, uh, Tom Osborne, Bob Devaney were really known for – uh, being the coaches in the schools, really, Oklahoma, Nebraska, that gave that platform to the black athlete. And you were also known for really recruiting Texas heavily. What was your – what was your well, – well, yeah, My philosophy, my philosophy was this. I'm going to recruit the best players in all positions. I didn't care what they were. 
I didn't care. I was just going to go do the right thing. The right thing was to recruit the best players out there at all positions, and I did that. I was kind of black quarterback in 1971 in the Southwest Conference, and the uh, SEC weren't recruiting black players, and I was playing a black quarterback in 1971. I, I nearly had uh, uh, the quarterbacks, uh, uh, like I, he played as a head coach, and in pro football, what's his name? Uh, Golly, from Jackson, Michigan, up the peninsula. He went to Minnesota as a starter, started as a freshman for Minnesota. And uh, he often told me, what was his name? Everybody knows his name. He's on TV all the time as a commentator. I thought, uh, uh, Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy was the quarterback in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, Jackson, Michigan. And uh, I visited his home with his parents, was both educators, and uh, he really considered coming. Well, he, he, he followed me. He took me after he played here, and I was with him at a banquet one night. We talked about, did you follow Oklahoma? Did you see the success we had? He said, yeah, and I often thought about being the quarterback with a bunch, which you had in the early 70s, which you would have been <laughs> probably our starting quarterback with a freshman and playing with the Selmans and the Billy Stems and that crew. But uh, anyway, he went on, had a great career, and ended up pro football, coaching pro team. He won the Super Bowl, and a uh, good guy. But uh, anyway, we, we did, as I said, we did the right thing. In fact, when everyone else was doing the right thing. And I had people uh, write me, and I had a, a little bitching about some other people. I didn't give a damn what the hell with them. And, and uh, we went on and won, and, uh, and our players uh, all got along great together. We had no problem. And it's, uh, it was uh, in the football world, it's usually we have the best uh, uh, society that exists out there. We're, you know, we are, are, we're work for each other. We work hard for each other. We compete. We all try to win together, and, and uh, that's what, what came out of this. I am uh, a lot of great memories with a lot of the black athletes that I had. Um, when you recruit one, you got them for life. I've always said they're yours, and uh, and most of them, a lot of them didn't have fathers at home, and. Uh, and uh, who they call when they need help? They call me. So, so they got. So I'm, I was. Uh, I always said that when you recruit them, they're yours for life. And uh, I'm going to help them because you had them four or five years, and and you help them develop into young men to be pr- productive citizens for them and their families the rest of their life. And that's the job of a coach. It's not just to win football games. College coaching back in my era, you had them four or five. You didn't have a. Uh, what they have today, portal they can get in, uh, NIL, all this. All of them are treated right. They're taken care of. They're all given scholarships. They, they live in great dorms. They had great food. Uh, and then when I had a kid that needed help and I knew they needed help, I helped him. I don't give a damn what other coaches did or not. I did the right thing when a kid needed help. And uh, so um, I knew I'm no one could calm me. I'm like, I get to kick their ass out of my office and then try to calm my ass. But uh, I uh, I ran my program that way. They all knew I cared about them all. And um, I always said, you know, let's go hang and have a hundred of them. People thought that was demeaning to the other team. No, it isn't. Because I, I said, the second team players, the third team, team players, they got mamas and daddies too. And they come here and they won't play just as much as you guys are starting. And they work just as hard as you guys do. And uh, 
So that was my always my attitude. Let's go hang and have a hundred rounds. That's all we like everybody. And uh, so that's what we tried to do. And I tried to play every kid we had on the team. And a lot of times I got to play everybody because we were a dominant football team. Yeah. So was it when it came to that? Was it hard when you went into uh, a black player's home and? The parents are there, and I know you've got to recruit the parents. Were the parents a little skeptical, or were they just, you know, you you kind of you say no, you no, they weren't, Jalen. No, and when I went to the home, that I was welcome. They knew who, my, who we are and knew our reputation. We were a, we were so accepted, and we were so by the black community because of what we had been doing for several years and the black families welcomed us because they were now just for the first time being recruited by schools have been all white and we've been we've been doing it for years and uh, we were kind of the leader and uh, we, we had a great reputation of helping kids and uh, and uh, we were well accepted well received and uh, no I never had that problem with any of the families so they looked forward to Oklahoma they hoped their kids were recruited by Oklahoma and um, so we, 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 we recruited the best and uh, let competition handle it on the field and uh, the kids know who the best they know the guy in front of them why he's starting because he's better than he is and they, and so it's they they all recognize it. They understand it, and they try. And I try to get to play them all. And so that leads me to this because you you mentioned uh, about doing the right thing for your players and and having uh, basically it being like one big family and stuff like that. And a lot of that is currently what a coach like Brent Venable speaks about. What do you think about? Uh, him as a coach and, and where this program is headed in the future, especially going into the SEC? Well, he's uh, got a tough job. We know the SEC is the dominant power in college football. Uh, uh, so many teams in that league are, are so good. And uh, it, so every week, it's going to be Oklahoma's going to be like playing Texas. There's no guineas. There's no uh, guineas in that league. You can't count on winning the game. You got to go win the game, and uh, you got to earn it. And uh, uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, I don't expect us to be a dominant player right away. Where our defense really has to improve. We were only about 122nd in the country last year, which is you know terrible. And uh, Statistically, so we have got to really get some lockdown linemen defensively, uh, big guys that can squat down, and play the running game, guys that edge players that are rushing passers. Uh, we've really got to get good there. And uh, with that, I'm sure the coach Reynolds is an excellent football coach, but you can't win without talent. And uh, and so uh, he's got to do that, and he's got to prove he can do that year after year. So uh, he's got quite a challenge facing him. And uh, I think in a lot of ways that's why Lincoln Riley left here, because he didn't get a vote from going to SEC. And, uh, and he took the SEC job and and uh, when I turned did a great job his first year there. So, and a lot of money, made about $10 million a year. So, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, colleges move for money and coaches move for money. So uh, I don't begrudge him for doing that. And uh, But anyway, it's, uh, uh, 
It'll be interesting to see how Oklahoma does when we play in the SEC. And uh, uh, we've got to prove ourselves, and I think we can, but it's, but we have to do it with great recruiting and get consistently get good players every year. Yes, sir. So I, I shift back to recruiting a little bit. Um, I want to know for you what was – first of all, let me say this. So who was the one recruit that you really got after and National Society Day comes around, and you didn't win that guy. Uh, without a doubt, it's Earl Campbell, Texas. Earl Campbell, Earl Campbell was probably the best high school football player I'd ever seen. Uh, I, I, I look back now, maybe uh, uh, I would still uh, Marcus Dupree in that category, but Earl proved himself in high school. Down tired, he knew how to practice. He knew how to, uh, yeah, he was smart in the mistakes and was a dominant, dominant uh, college uh, high school. And he, is, I've said, is the only kid I've ever seen come out of high school who could make a pro team. And uh, uh, coming out of high school, he definitely could have. And uh, very talented, very strong, very. Very mature, uh, was was a dominant player in college and a dominant player in pros. Had a great career both. So, what was the what was the best meal you had on the recruiting trail? What was the best meal? Yes, sir. Well, I went to New Orleans. I went to I recruited New Orleans heavily. I I recruited St. Dog High School down there, the Purple Knights, playing Augustine High School, and uh, they got a great program there. 750 black kids, boys, only boys, and they wear a white shirt and a black tie every day. And well-disciplined, they work off the right side of the hall, the left side of the hall. It's yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Their mamas and daddies are paying tuition for them to go to school there and get a good education. Every kid that graduates from St. Hall probably uh, gets a scholarship. 70% of them go on to college. And the football team is uh, a great player. So I've gotten a lot of great players, All-Americans. And I draft choices out of there, and uh, and uh, State Hall was good to me. But I, I love the food in New Orleans, i tell you that. I really do love uh, love the, going there for the, uh, the places you have an opportunity to eat at. So did you have a team that you hated recruiting against? Well, I, I didn't hate against you. I remember I, back when I was dominating. I was kicking their butts. <laughs> so I wasn't – it was a team. Texas was a team we had beaten. And, uh, and uh, I, it was uh, – uh, I, I ended up going against Texas and losing. And, and uh, so uh, it was uh, – you know, they were, they were the team we had to beat out of our schedule. Now, the team we had to beat in our league was Nebraska. It's Oklahoma and Nebraska, usually one or two in the country, came down to the last game of the year when we played. And uh, we were both usually right one or two or three in the country and uh, both undefeated. And uh, uh, it was uh, always the big one right there. And whoever played in the Orange Bowl probably won the national championship at that time. Okay, so this is, uh, this is our final question. And uh, it talks a little bit about the state of college football today, just with uh, NIL, the transfer portal, uh, strength and conditioning, the way that all that stuff is run now. We know things are actually coaching. And uh, some of your older players I've talked to have said that you would have been all for NIL. But do you agree with the way that things are going in today's college football world? 
No, I don't. I, I'm glad I don't coach today in this portal and uh, this NIL. I, uh, I don't like it. It's uh, it gives kids too easy a way to work out. Most kids came back from my time. They were they were in a hurry. They were new, came to get an education. They knew most of them would redshirt because uh, I was taking fifty a year. Uh, freshman eligible. Uh, we had a lot of pit players on our squad at that time, so did everyone else. So kids back then went to get an education, and they knew they were going to be there four or five years. These kids today want to be on the field, and if they're not on the field the right away, they're they're jumping in a portal and trying to go somewhere. Hell, they're not ready. But, uh, uh, anyway, it's, it's that way, and uh, uh, I, I think that you know they're given a scholarship. They live good. They eat good. They eat better than the rest of the, you know the rest of the university does, and uh, they have pretty good. But uh, yeah, I understand that they all need to be paid something. I, I have no problem paying everybody the same. The center and the, and the quarterback make the same thing. I, I think that that's what you ought to have uh, that quality all across the board for everybody if you will pay them something. But uh, anyway, that uh, these guys are great players. I guess they can go out and do an NIL deal with someone, but uh, they need to prove themselves first instead of uh, coming in here and thinking they they, they deserve it right away. And uh, some of these people are getting stuck. Uh, guys that don't make it when they get that in and have to go to the portal and I don't know what happens to them then they get to keep it for a lot but anyway uh, I'm just glad I don't have to be involved in it yeah I hear you well that's about all I got today uh, I appreciate you yeah Jay and I enjoyed being doing this with you uh, I like your dad and uh, uh, you obviously you more Oklahoma you run your podcast on any radio station or you can just uh, uh, go to a website or an app just listen to your program. yeah so it's uh it's on Apple Podcasts Spotify all those okay. uh, podcast networks okay so. okay well good Good, good. I hope to wish you well on it. I'm sure if I can do anything to help you, I'll do that. Okay? I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to The Blitz Period with Jalen Ross, presented by BNM Media and Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter. 